The Trek Files, Season 9, Episode 4, Gene Kuhn Star Trek Memo, March 16, 1967. Welcome to The Trek Files, a look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment from the personal files of Gene Roddenberry. And now your host, Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek. Welcome back, Trek fans. All you Trek historians, can I just giggle here a little bit? We are doing this live. We're recording this live at Star Trek Las Vegas this year. I've wanted to do this for so long. And to be able to see, yes, my producer, John Champion, and seeing our lovely voice every week, Jessica Linverdi, doing this live, it's just awesome. It's like old time radio. But we need to get to Star Trek because I'm so thrilled to have back a guest. If you heard our previous episode, uh, we're here live. We're talking about Gene Kuhn. You can see the documents this week that we're going to be dealing with right there on our Facebook page, as usual, facebook.com slash The Trek Files. Um, yes, we are talking more about Gene Kuhn because we have a witness to the Star Trek's other Gene, and she would say he was Star Trek's main Gene, maybe, at least to her. Um, look, we've got another audio sample of the Docs of the Week, so take a look at those. Here's a sample but you want to be right back with me and this week's special returning guest. Desilu shall have an option with respect to Gene's services as producer in connection with succeeding years of productions of the series with all the terms and conditions the same except that the total fee payable to Gene Kuhn will be increased by $250 per week more than the previous contract year. For example, first option term, if exercised by Desilu, will require a payment of $2,500 per week. The next option year is at $2,750 per week, etc. Well, there you go, Trekophiles. Were you ready for a little dip into 1967? Uh, yeah, the Writers Guild's changed. The, the scale, the, the, the minimums have changed a little bit since then. Writing Star Trek has. You know, in those days, it was, it was the genes. Gene Roddenberry and his number one showrunner of the time, and freelance marketers coming in. And then we get to the days of the Berman era, and you've got six or eight on staff, and still some freelance. And now we have 47 co-producer writers and uh, 10 slots for episodes. So there's not really a lot of need for freelancers. So the, the job of the TV uh, industry is over, has changed and evolved over the years, but uh, there are some core samples, core, core bits to the, the industry. You've got to know how to write, and you've got to know how to run people and run a show. And these documents this week are, well, they tell some of Gene Kuhn's story in an interesting way, and who else better to be here to talk with me about this than an eyewitness to the years Gene Kuhn spent on Star Trek, and even later on, is my good friend and now author, Jean Kuhn's executive secretary, and so much more in her life, Andy. Yes, darling. Andy Richardson Kindred is the full name now. Um, I'm so glad to have you back on the show, ma'am. Thank you. <laughs> yes, dear, I'm here. I know. <laughs> well, we were just got rolling the last time you were with us of talking about Jean. I mean, there's so many aspects. There's his writing talent. Um, some of the episodes, the memories of working there, and some of the people there at the offices. But then his life. And what happened with his life? And you, he kept you with him as long as he was really working in the business. But this, just these two documents here, we've got all the details of his deal, because he's mm -hmm. number two to Gene, to mm -hmm. the great bird, as you call Gene Roddenberry. Mm -hmm. And then we've got the second year where they're going into, the, he's left the show, and I want to talk about that, but he's left the show, 
and he's writing under his pseudonym, Lee Cronin. Yeah. And he's got an order for it. Now, he only wound up doing two of these, if people can trace the, the names. But he had an order for six shows. They wanted him to keep writing. Of course. He brought such humanity to the, the episodes that he wrote. That they, they like that humor. And things to think about. So many of the things he wrote are still valid mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. And if they were being shown today, they wouldn't be out of place. Right. Well, private little war of Vietnam and, and getting uh, involved in things. But just starting off the gate, we mentioned he came to the series with Miri. He was rewriting. But when he got a chance to start writing, The Horda in Arena, mm-hmm. right, which starts off with what? Janos no, Prohaska's... The Horta is not in arena. That's the Gorn. Oh, yes. Thank you, ma'am. That was a test. That yeah, was a test. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Devil in the Dark, I believe. I believe I've read. That was the name of the Horta show. Because mm-hmm. I was thinking of Janos Prohaskas. Yes. And uh, and the Gorn, of course, was the the outfit, too. But That was that was Hua Cheng. Yes. What, another great uncredited person who we're, we're trying to get the word out about. Yes. But, um, and I you talk were, about both of those guys in my book. Oh, that's right. That's right. And I'm so... Th- so you had an excerpt here this weekend at the convention, which was just for the convention, which is hopefully going to sell out. Your big main book is coming that includes that and more. Yes. Yep. Later in what? Uh, when is it coming? November. November. All right. But um, Star Trek is just a part of your life, but it's such a... I mean, how do you... How do, what do you think about those years when you look back and, and working with Gene? Well, you were talking about Gene and salaries. My story about Gene and salaries was my salary. Okay. And I, 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 I couldn't really afford to keep working there. Um, my kids were starting to complain that we ate beans so often and they didn't have any meat in them. And I'd have to remind them that we got onions in them. And so I said to Gene, um, I think I'm going to need more money. And he said, well, that's not my department. Okay. So I looked around and I found because I knew so many people by then from, mm-hmm. from the script departments, I found a, a job working on another show. Unfortunately, the pay was the same, and that was less standard. So I went back to Gene and said, yeah, well, they wanted to hire me, but, you know, it wasn't paying any more than the year, so I guess I'll just stay. And he came back to me a day or so later and said, um, you'll notice your, new, your, your check, you'll have overtime. You'll be working overtime. And I went... I can't work overtime every day. He said, no, you don't have to work it, but you'll be paid it. So he worked out a way that I could keep the same old boring salary, but I had a guaranteed weekly amount of overtime hours that I would be paid whether I worked them or not. And that was Gene's doing. And that was Gene's doing. See, that's another That's the kind of guy he is. That's that's what I'm going to say. The humanity that he's bringing to the writing. We were talking about his voice. Um... You know, his litany of scripts is there. Mm-hmm. And fast. So how was he able to do it so fast? Well, we had this friendly doctor that mm-hmm. I like to call Dr. Happy because he gave out happy pills to anybody you, who wanted them. You mentioned that, but here's the thing. We think of, oh, pills and amphetamines and drug abusers and drug addicts, but it was really like truck drivers with their stay-away yeah, pills, that's, right? That's all it was. Yeah. He, he didn't indulge in anything other than uh, matcha tea. He loved his ter- uh, yogurt uh, tea. And uh, Slivovitz, an occasional Slivovitz, not even an everyday Slivovitz, but he liked Slivovitz in the evening after the day was done. I drink a tab, he drink a Slivovitz. He enjoyed his more than I enjoyed mine. 
But no, the, the story of turning around uh, the arena script with the Gorn in what, six days? Or the Horda script? The Horda Devil, script. Yeah, the Devil in the Dark script. That went so fast. A normal script that was six weeks. You couldn't expect anything under yeah. six weeks. But Gene did it. And like, inspired more like six by. Days. Inspired, inspired by, by <laughs> Dr. Happy's contribution to our event. And Dr. Happy also made sure that by his con contribution, I stayed very slim <laughs> and moved very fast. Well, when I said inspired by, I was also thinking about Janos Prohaskas coming in and auditioning his little uh, creation. Yeah, I, I didn't go that day. I, I, Gene went out. I stayed in the office because I wasn't getting too close to Giannis. I didn't know what kind of uh, animal or creature he would be. And if he was in ape costume, he was dangerous to be around because he just took on all the mannerisms and became that end, including, never mind, I won't say the horniness of it so all. So we're talking about the, the uh, actor, gymnast, what a creature maker who created the Horda, kind of auditioned it. Yep, right. Can absolutely. you find a story for this? Sure. And the Magato, you're talking about the ape, the horny ape, mm -hmm. which has been picked up again now recently on Laura Dex even. But um, uh, it sounds like you guys, you guys had a great work. Did he, did he have to, sh and there's a lot of politics going on in any studio. Star Trek was a crazy show to work on. Lots of people were spending yeah. a lot of hours. Did you? Did he shield you from a lot of that? Or do you remember some of the dramas going by? I remember some of the dramas about who was getting how many lines and what script. Mm-hmm. That's all. Did you actually have to type? They had script typists for that, right? You were just taking care of Gene's office? Um, I, I'd send it out to a typing service. Right. And they would send us back a white copy, mm -hmm. and then the next rev revisions would be blue, and then pink, then yellow, and right. then you knew you were really in trouble if you went any further than that. <laughs> On the color wheel for the, yeah, the change mm -hmm. pages. Let's talk about all these incredible stories coming by, you know, Tribbles. Uh, are, do any of the episodes, again, you're not on the stages. You're, you're, did you feel like safely insulated from a lot of that or did a lot of it spill over to you like as you saw the changes and things the you had to deal with? The came to me first. Yeah. They were delivered to me. I signed for them and then I distributed to whoever needed whatever it was that I got. Right, right. So I read everything before Gene read it. Well, Gene's there for the end of the first season. Yep. Infamously, Harlan writing Sitting on the Edge of Forever oh. all year long. Oh, Harlan. Oh, my darling Harlan. <laughs> I'll come back to Harlan, but what I'm trying to remember is, so you had the hiatus break. They wondered if the show would be renewed. It did get renewed with a little bit of push. Mm -hmm. So we're back for the second season. Your boss, Gene Coons, on the ground running. Mm -hmm. And then by the middle of that year... Two-thirds of the way through the year, he decides to leave. And people say all kinds of things about why Gene left. You were there. Even to the mm -hmm. point was he and, and the great bird, mm -hmm. the two genes, uh, disagreed on how much humor to bring to the scripts. Yeah. Is, that, is there any truth to that? or Not really. That's kind of what I, I think. I mean, Gene Roddenberry, the great bird of Galaxy, he, he, wanted, he saw it more seriously. But Gene had been a Marine. He'd served with Chesty Puller, the, the mm -hmm. grand Marine of all Marines. Mm -hmm. And Chesty Puller would say something like, when they were being attacked by the Chinese who had joined the North Koreans and they were under siege and totally surrounded, he told his men. Chosun Reservoir, yeah, right? He said, Gene they're in front the of us, they're behind us, they're to 
the left of us, they're to the right of us. That means we can shoot in any direction we want. That kind of humor is what Gene Coon mm -hmm. brought. It wasn't slapstick humor. It wasn't ha-ha-ha funny humor. Right. It was that kind of humor. It was well, like the oh, serious humor. people who were making a joke about a situation. Yeah. or well, it, And it came from it. the characters. It came yeah. from the characters. Well, there are those who say they thought... I, it's basically he was exhausted, right? When he left, yes. Okay, so he's got the network calling, saying, oh, do more of this. Uh, he had right. no budget to do it. Right. And then he's got the writers getting angry with him because they've had to go to arbitration because he had to rewrite the script because they didn't get it right. And Paramount's bought out Desilu about then, and, and they're Herb, cutting the budgets even and, and, more. And Herb yeah. Solo is getting more toward the company because he has to, because with the new management, he couldn't be our close friend any mm -hmm. longer. Mm-hmm. So it was it was just a lot of stuff happening and, and Gene he he got rid of his old land cruiser, his old whatever it was that he used to take right. the dogs to the shopping and bought a XKE and I knew there was right. something wrong. Right, right. Well how did he tell you how did you find out that he was leaving the show, do you remember? I didn't find out till he was leaving until he came and said to me, I'm gonna leave and I want you with me. Will you come and join me? Where mm -hmm. I go, mm -hmm. like, okay. Which wound up being universal after yep. a little bit of a, yep. a timing break. Yeah. When you even had like a, you worked a few days for even Fred Freiberger, you said. A few days. I worked with John Meredith Lucas uh -huh. while he was there. At the end of the second season. Yeah, yeah, to that. And then when Freddie came in and he was going to take over, I thought, let me get out of here and let him, you mm -hmm. know, s start with somebody he's going to be with him. So I, I left and then Gene called me and said, come on over. At, uh, and it was It Takes a Thief? It at Takes Universal? a Thief. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Robert Wagner's yeah. series? Yes, for a while. Well, I just want to, and then sadly, one of the stresses on him that we didn't realize then, he was a constant smoker, right? And oh, yeah, those little scar things. Yeah. yeah. And then he was, but he was gone, very, I mean, diagnosed, and then he gone. He called me on Wednesday, with, said, I think I've got pneumonia, I'm going to the hospital and get this checked out. On Friday, he called me back and said, it's not pneumonia, it's cancer. And on Sunday, his wife called me and said, he's gone. Yeah. He didn't play around. He missed all this, though. He, he didn't play around. He had cancer. He got the heck out of Dodge. Yeah. His father had lingered. He wasn't going to do that. And yes, he missed all this. Although, all I don't know how, yeah. how, how thrilled he would have been with all the things that he would really? have to do. Because he just wanted to do his job. He just wanted to get those scripts written. He just wanted to make yeah. a good show. Well, for all the people that think he ended on a bad note with Gene, I just point out our document of the week where he has an order for six scripts. That's right. Under his his Lee Cronin pseudonym, which yep. I love a world where you can still think you can get away with that. He yeah. had an exclusive at Universal and wanted to hide the fact that he was still yep. writing for Star Trek. Yep. Anyway, wow. Wow. Andy, I we could talk all day. Uh, maybe sometime no, we, we can have you I'm back. Too old for that, now <laughs> we'll break it up. We'll break oh, it up. Thank you. But thank you so much. And most of all, I am so glad your book is coming out. That you've got all of this, all the yes. aspects of your amazing life, which included, folks, we didn't even touch on your years in the civil rights circle here in L.A. A circle that included people. Who did you know? Who I worked for Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, uh, Medgar Evers, Malala yeah. Karinga. Oh, that's well, and a lot of heartache there as people were trying to make change. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, too many people that I love got assassinated. And I think I, my last was Robert F. Kennedy when I went to work at Universal. And my license plate was RFK 605. And the man died on 605. Mm. Mm. 
This is exactly where we're waiting for your book. Andy, thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you for we finally found this time to have you on The Trek Files. Thanks, Doc. <laughs> You're sweet. The Trek Files is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Yes, right here, live from Star Trek Las Vegas this week. All of our documents and your chance to comment, of course, are available at facebook.com slash thetrekfiles. Now, for more deep diving of Star Trek behind the scenes, visit Dr. Trek and Portal 47. Uh, yes, that's me at larrynimacek.com. And that's where you can also link in for all the new Trek Files swag and shirts at our Tee Public shop, too. Hey, everyone. Trek well. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.